1: Welcome into The Family Room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and I'm here with John Gordon. Hey, Craig. Uh, Unfortunately, Mari's not with us today, so folks, you'll have to bear with John and I in our interview here. And, you know, John, it's interesting. So often in our interviews, we talk about people that are so incorporated into faith, meaning that's kind of their primary mission. Mm -hmm. But today we have a guest that's really focus has been wall street you know big time investments and and banking world but also major influence in the missionary work it's kind of a kind of a different twist for us it's way different and i think it's
2: particularly good in that you know we keep having conversations about the fact that we're in this post-christian world and yet here in this post-christian world is just a very bright light doing precisely what most of the folks including some of our Good Catholic friends would say, that's just not possible.
1: They're, I couldn't do what he's doing, but I appreciate the fact that he uh, is leading leading people in that kind of a missionary work in today's world. Well, Our
2: friends Mike and Lori Carleton, right, they
1: they have they done did. this.
2: They did, that's how we got connected uh, but, to our guests. So. But
1: Mike's much bolder than I am. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> so uh, before we actually bring in Steve Auth, why don't you open up us in a prayer? I'll do it. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the and Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we
2: just come to you today with thanksgiving for all of the great people that you've put across our path uh, in this in this day, in our jobs, and in this in this work we do for the quest. And we we thank you today for our guest, for the work that he's doing. You know how powerful he is, what a warrior is what a warrior he is on, on your behalf. Father, we ask you just to pour out your spirit in this conversation, pour out your spirit on our listeners and and prick our hearts and convict us that that element of of what we hear that you want us to act on is is an element that we're inspired to act on, and we count on count on the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit in all these actions. Father, we lift all of these petitions to you in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, through the intercession of Mary. Amen. Amen.
1: In the, name of the Father, Father the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. So before we bring uh, Steve into the show, I want to read his bio, which is actually very impressive. Steve Oth has had a long career on Wall Street. He was first with Prudential Investments in the 80s. And then uh, since 2000, he's been with uh, Federated Investors. And he serves as Executive Vice President and Chief Investment Officer of Federated Global Equities. Um, Interestingly enough, he's frequently interviewed on such shows as CNBC, Fox Business News, Bloomberg TV. Um, he's a longstanding participant in Barron's annual investment outlook panel. So obviously, you yes. know, in, in the world of finance and investments, he, he's, a, he's a big time uh, influence, but also he's a big time influence in our faith. He's been a member of Regnum Christi movement, which you know is part of the Legionaries of Christ. He sits on the National Board of Lumen, which he also helped found in New York. And he participates in missions in Miss, in Mexico Sorry, with his wife, Evelyn, and has led the New York City street mission for 10 years. He's written two books. We'll get into those in the interview. But I always like to mention, too, they also do have two sons. So he is a family man that raised a, a, a family within the context of everything he's been doing. So without further delay, Steve, welcome into the show. Thank you. Steve, if you would,
2: this, I mean, it's unusual for us to see this mix of of expertise, right? A faith and spiritual expertise and Wall Street expertise. Just give us a little bit about your faith walk. How, you know, how did it start? How did you end up where you are? Tell us.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, Greg, first, uh, thank you for the word expertise. So I would call, you know, um, I'm working on both of those things. But yeah, my faith journey is is maybe interesting to some folks. I I grew up in a very Catholic household. I was an altar boy, etc., in a working-class neighborhood in Newark, and was a reasonably, you know, hard-working young kid and was given a certain amount of, I think, um, more than the usual number of brain cells, perhaps, but ended up um, at Princeton University, not blaming them or anything but really it's on me but certainly over the four years there i fell away from my faith and i would describe myself by the time i got out of princeton um as an indifferent agnostic
2: Hmm.
3: you know which is almost i think probably worse than um you know a, a convicted atheist as an example um you know, not really thinking about it that much. And drifting into bad habits kind of is, I think, the journey that a lot of young people go through today, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, but the Lord, I, I don't know, he doesn't seem to give up on me. I consider myself a broken vessel um, because of all that and even ongoing. But, uh, you know, I, I I got out of school um, and... Met my wife. She's a devout Catholic uh, from the Philippines. Fell in love, got married, agreed to raise the kids in the faith, mostly, you know, traditionally thinking that the Catholic virtues at least were good for them. But that very process started to bring me back to the faith again, and you know, trying to go to mass on Sundays. And by the time um, the Missionary of Wall Street starts as a kind of, um, you know, look back moment. Um, um, it's 2002 now, and I, I think by now, I think you'd call me a Sunday morning Catholic. Probably not a lot more than that. Really didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord, um, but was trying to be faithful. And then, um, you know, I had this, had this heart failure. It was the middle of, you know, the the 2002 financial meltdown, stock market meltdown, a lot of changes. I, I was under a lot of stress, I guess, and um, I, it was it was an unusual heart arrhythmia. Without getting into the medical details of it, it left me. Um, in not a very good spot. I I was in internal care, uh, intensive care for 12 days,
0: Mm,
3: and a priest, a young priest from the Legion, who I think you know, Father John Connor, um, came to visit me and offered me uh, the anointing of the sick, which included confession. I had not been to confession in 25 years at this point. But not knowing how things were going to play out, I did think, oh, that might be a good idea. (laughs) Uh,
2: That's those extra brain cells kicking in.
3: Yeah. yeah. Yes. Finally, they're finally doing something powerful for me. So I I had this, um, you know, heartfelt confession with Father John. And when we were done, he said to me, let me summarize the issue in a nutshell. You've been given a lot of talents by the Lord and you've been using them for your own purposes, not for his. So I resolved, and i made make clear here, it wasn't like a deal or anything I, um, with God, but I did resolve that I regretted that I had been behaving that way, and I resolved if I did survive, I was going to try to use my talents uh, more for him. And that was the beginning of this journey over the last, uh, you know, 20-some-odd years now, you know, first starting Lumen uh, in New York, being one of the folks that started it. It wasn't just me, but, um, and, you know, that's had a big effect on a lot of folks, and then eventually going um, on missions to Mexico, where I continue... I, I, I don't know how you guys think about this, but I, I kind of view faith as a journey, not an end point. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. I'd like to say that, you know, I had this conversion experience in 2002. And from that point forward, I was a saint and off. It wasn't that way. I yeah. I kind of very gradually um, began to understand what that actually meant. And the, the Lord had to kind of bang me over the head a, a few a few times hard. Um, once on a mission in Mexico, I actually went blind in one eye. And um, it was an amazing experience for me. uh, It really drew me closer to him. It, It got fixed. I mean, that's a long story I could tell you about. It's kind of an interesting story. But in any case, I've been having this journey ever since. And one of the key elements for me of the journey has been taking on these projects that seem like Mission Impossible that I feel like he's asked me to do. And a lot of my Wall Street friends would say, gee, this is like you're crazy. <laughs> um, and the answer actually is that I am, that um, I am not talented enough to have remotely accomplished what we've accomplished with the new york city street mission or what's going on with our museum tour which is having such a huge impact on so many people Um, but he is that's what i've come to figure out and he he's driving the bus i'm just cooperating uh and i've seen so many I don't want to call them miracles because, you know, with a capital that you know, I haven't been blessed by the Pope or anything, but I would call them kind of miracles. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. On the streets of New York, uh, even with with things with the pilgrimage, um, the effect it's having on people that are big influencers in the culture, um, it just— It's just me marvel how he can work with someone who's clearly flawed, and yet sort of make something good out of it, you know? It may be, I I, I like to comfort myself that some of the greatest saints were, you know, also fairly flawed individuals, so...
1: (laughs) Steve, we're that's all an, counting that's on an that. We are counting on that. <laughs> that's an understatement,
2: too, by the way. Some were very flawed individuals. My favorite nickname for St. Peter is Three Pete. He's got to be whacked, <laughs> as you said, hard yeah, over indeed. the head three times yeah. before he does anything, right? So, that's right. Folks, if you're listening uh, just joining us, you're in the family room here on The Quest, and and we're talking to Steve Oth, and Steve is the author of uh, a couple of different books, uh, The Missionary of Wall Street and The Pilgrimage to the Museum, but we're really focusing on the work that he's doing on on Wall Street and, and in New York City, um, because it's uh, Steve. You said it's a it's a, a journey, and I don't think there's anybody listening that would argue with you on that. There might be a few saints out there that had those magnificent conversion moments and they got it all figured out, but
1: I I, I haven't met them, um, not this side of the coffin anyway. So, um no, but it's all, it's interesting though, you know, John, when you listen to Steve because. Um, so often, you know, God calls us through an event in our lives, whether it's health issues or whether it's some other issue, not out of, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at you and I'm upset at you. Because oftentimes when those things happen, we turn it into, wow, oh, God's mad at me. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to reconcile God's love that says, I love you so much, I'm willing to let you go through this so you can find me. And oh, by the way, in your case, you know, uh, Steve, I'm going to send you Father uh, John Cotter, who... Kind of help lead to that conversion, and frankly, I love your humility because you know your um, your bio is a who's who of the best schools in the country, some of the most envious jobs. You know, frankly, people would literally and figuratively kill to be on Wall Street, and yet in your humility, you're like, you know, I'm still I'm still broken, and I've still got these issues. Yet God's doing these miracles, not based on your incredible intelligence as much on your openness and willingness just to simply say I'm willing to serve you and do what you want 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 me to do in this setting which I think is an incredible testimony that's awesome that's excellent so i got to ask
2: how do the business circle and the faith circle meet like do do are, is it like two different worlds do the do the business people say oh that's steve and he's crazy he does these mission impossible things how does that work together
3: well uh you know, up to the point where I was a Saturday, Sunday morning Catholic, I would say I, I clearly was segmenting everything, right? I had God in the Sunday morning box, not even Sunday afternoon was his. Um, certainly uh, Wall Street was on a completely different plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, I kind of was working in a fragmented way, and um, which in some ways I think actually is the epitome of a lack of integrity in some ways. Um, you know, it's so much better when your life is all one and whole. Uh, Not that, frankly, um, I had a strong value system that was based in the faith. And and I certainly always applied that within Wall Street. So it wasn't like I was doing stuff there.
2: Gordon um, Gekyll-esque.
3: Yeah, unethical or something. But what I'm saying is that a lot of folks try to bury the faith and, um, you know, the public actually encourages us to do that. I call it the holy huddle. I mean, one of the things I confront with uh, with a lot of folks as I tell these stories is they go, "Well, like, we're we're trying to keep ourselves safe here. You know, we, we've got our basically a holy huddle inside the parish. And that's kind of where the culture wants us to be. Like, don't talk about this stuff out on street corners in New York City or on the air, uh, on a public business channel. Um, but I'm past that. The, what, what I have found, um, although I was clearly fearful of this, um, but it just hasn't worked out the way I would have thought. You know, I'll give you an example. The the title of The, the Missionary of Wall Street, during the ten years it took me to write it, was delivered by grace. And the reason for that, it's a story. Um, in the in the in the center of the story is a wonderful little. There's all these like anecdotal stories from the streets. Right. But of this guy John, who's 40 years away from his last sacrament of confession, can't get him to go in um, with him for 40 minutes. He comes about 45 minutes later, after we part ways, floating out of the church, and he's just been to his first confession, and he's floating, and he's a big guy. He gives me a big bear hug. I thought he was going to asphyxiate me. (laughs) And he says, Steve, best thing I've ever done. I feel 50 pounds lighter. I, I just feel so great. And He says, um, who, I go, how did it happen? Because you told me you weren't going to go. He goes, that young woman you had in front of the church, what was her name? I said, well, her name was actually Grace. That was her name. (laughs) And he says, that's it. I was delivered by Grace. So Delivered by Grace was the title based on that story. But more importantly, and something I think for your listeners to think about Okay, I'm not trying to get them recruit them for the mission in New York City. I yeah. get it. You know, it's dangerous, all this stuff. But um, one, the, the real arc of the story, if you read the book carefully, is the arc of this anonymous missionary, which you kind of figure out at the end is me. And he starts out when given this ask. This is 2008. Right. Six years after my so-called conversion that we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I am trying to to use my talents. But, you know, it's the middle of the 08 financial crisis. Markets are melting down. I'm exhausted in the evening. Uh, I'm in a hotel room in Pittsburgh. My wife calls me up and says, Steve, (laughs) I've signed us up to do this mission in New York. I go, sweetie, what you? What? What? She goes, yeah, we're going to do this mission. I, I go, in New York? She goes, well, yeah, you do the missions in Mexico. I mean, you know how to do this. I told her Father we could do it. Because <laughs> Mexico is just like... It. <laughs> do you understand how wrong you are? Like, in Mexico, everyone is Catholic. You go into a village, they're all fighting to get a missionary to come see them. In New York City, no one is Catholic. We're going to get absolutely slaughtered. They'll be putting... Our cigars out in my forehead. For the whole hour we're out there on this street corner. She goes, "It's not an hour; it's the whole trip to him." I signed this up for the whole trip. <laughs> so I go, "Sweetheart, look, I'm not going. I am not going." You tell this priest who is it, by the way? It's one of these legionaries. I said, "You, you tell him I'm not going. This is a bridge too far." So of course, two weeks later, there I am, and. You know i am literally getting cigars put out of my forehead okay without going into because you got to read the book almost to see what goes on initially it was difficult but the the real point is that the arc of the story starts with this missionary who flat out refuses and then all these little miracles of people that are brought back to the faith either through him or through now a 1,000 other missionaries that have joined this thing. And at the end of the story, the same guy, years later, he's on a street corner. It's Holy Thursday, and it's 645, which means it's time for all the priests to leave the confessionals and vest for the one Mass of the day. It's starting to rain. He has sent all the missionaries in and taken down the confession signs, there's nothing we can do. There's no priests. And then he hears a voice in his head saying, Steve, stay on this street corner. Now this is a completely irrational request. And he does without even hesitating. And a kind of miracle happens. Someone's life is changed forever. So what I'm saying is The mission is about transforming and bringing Catholics back to the faith. It's also about how the Lord transforms us by the experiences we have working hand-in-hand with Him. Our own faith is transformed. We see all these things happening and we believe. And that is the real power of the mission. So that's why it was called Delivered by Grace. It's, yeah, this story of this guy who was delivered, but it's actually, you realize at the end of the book, my goodness, it's the missionaries that are delivered by Grace here. So two weeks before it was about to be published, Sophia calls me and said, Steve, we're here with the marketing department, and we're going to change the title of this book. I go, what, what do you mean the work? What do you mean the title? The title of the book is Delivered by Grace. I, I... Oh, no, no, Steve, that was always the working title. We're going to call it the missionary of Wall Street. And um, my first reaction was absolutely not. And, um, you know, they gave me the pitch. But the reason I said absolutely not is, number one, I'm at best a missionary on Wall Street. I am not the missionary of Wall Street. That's point one. Point two, I am going to be fired when everyone that I do business with realizes that this mission I've been doing isn't what they're thinking. People think it's like a soup kitchen or something. Oh, there goes Steve's going on a mission, isn't that nice? They they've never they never knew. And I, I figured the book would just be on like Catholic bookshelves kind of thing. Well delivered by Grace probably more or less that would have been the case. But the missionary at Wall Street, oh my goodness, this is all another matter. Um but after a lot of prayer, talking to a bunch of priests, and talking actually to the folks that federated, they, you know, I went ahead with this new title, and that kind of got me out of the closet, if you will. You know, in, in yeah. a different kind of way. No, no, no I,
2: I, we, <laughs> yeah. we're tracking. We're tracking with it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it transformed people around me, and. Um, you know it it actually the the bravery of it from other people's on wall street's perspective even if they weren't catholic were impressed and changed mm-hmm. and affected and it's brought more people i think in some ways to be more open about their faith in the workplace there's obviously room at every company for people you of know, all faiths but Somehow us Catholics feel like we have to hide under, under a rock. And yeah. um, it's not about, like, you got to be Catholic to work here or something at all. But, I mean, the virtues of the faith are beautiful. I give a talk at business schools around the country about how Catholic virtues make me, at least, and I think others, a better leader of people and actually a better investor. Humility self-mastery servant leadership or love if you will Mm -hmm. um agape these things are transformative in the workplace actually in a positive way so yeah it's brought my to answer your question from 45 minutes ago uh it it has um it me to be fully integrated in yes. how I uh, think about my faith. Everyone knows who I am; they know what I do, and that's been a positive thing. It's had a positive effect on on everyone. I think.
2: No, that's awesome, and and it's I think it's just it's amazing that Federated. You were prudent to have that conversation, obviously, because of, because of your position, there's so much at, at stake, but. Um, what an amazing number of doors that has opened just because it's got that—I don't want to say backing, but connection, right? That's
1: amazing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say they backed the book. No. but they said, "Look, Steve, th- there's nothing bad here. I mean, right. this missionary person is obviously loving. He perseveres. He's got a lot of good qualities um, that we—you you don't need to be worried about how people can react to this. You know? That's awesome.
1: We're okay with it. So it's, it's funny, too. I got the vision of Jonah, not this way in the whale, but the initial, no way in heck am I going to do this, and yet three days, there you are during a triduum yeah, getting into it. I'm
2: not sure if I'm betting because it was his wife Evelyn who did it that it, that you made the move or where it truly was God. I'm thinking like there's as much Evelyn in is, 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 is there as God. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, well, he
3: works through her. Yeah, you know, clearly. know her know that. Um, yeah, I mean, no, people it's... are surprised at, of what I do. They're not really surprised at what she does. <laughs> she, has, you know, she has this quality about her that um, people recognize right away.
2: That's awesome. Look, we're going to be close to a break here, so we'll go ahead and take it. But what, <clears throat> So we're awesomely impressed that you've done this work as Steve uh, off. But you've also got like an army... Of missionaries, and so when we come back, we'll we'll do a family room memory, and we'd love to hear kind of how you've raised or helped God to raise this army. So, um, so let's let's hold that thought, and and we'll take a wrap for the first half here, and then be back. Well Listeners, uh, thanks for joining us in the family room. Don't go away. We're going to take a quick break, quick break, and we'll be back to talk to Steve off the missionary of Wall Street.
0: We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Verse Sprite. On the Quest.
1: In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see versprite.com. That's V E R com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support.
0: The Quest presents Pro Life Minutes.
4: You're pregnant? What are you going to do? This response puts abortion on the table. Although, what are you going to do is a common response. This is not what you say when your friend tells you about her unplanned pregnancy. Women are created to nurture life. No woman truly wants to kill her own child. Unplanned pregnancies can be scary. 74% of women who've had abortions say that if one person would have offered support to help them, they would have chosen life. This approach, congratulations, you'll be a great mother and I'll help you, can be just what she needed to hear. God sent you to help her. Call 1-800-712-HELP to find the closest free pregnancy center. Let's show the world that every life matters by speaking up for life at every opportunity.
3: For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com.
4: This is Father Michael Silloway from Christ Our King and Savior Catholic Church in Greensboro, Georgia. And the Sushipe Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola is one of my favorites. Please join me in
3: praying it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. All I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace, and that will be enough for me. Amen.
4: Hi, this is Teresa Tamio host of Catholic Connection, heard every morning right here on this station, and we are so grateful for your listenership. And now's the time that we come to you to ask also, in addition to your listenership, your financial support. Of course, we always ask you to pray for us, most importantly, but we do need your financial partnership. Now, most of these stations have very small staffs, of course, because we're not rolling in the dough, obviously, because we are in this. This is a mission field effort. But the bottom line is... This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge, but this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like This One Catholic Connection available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of our Catholic radio family. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: To donate, log on to thequestAtlanta.com.
4: Saint Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on theQuestAtlanta.com.
0: Welcome back to the Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Verse Sprite on AM1160 The Quest.
1: Welcome back to The Family Room, everybody. If you've been listening, you're hearing an interview with Steve Auth, who is the uh, author of The Missionary of Wall Street, and he's been walking us through his faith life and how it's impacted um, what he's doing and how he's evangelizing, and we really appreciate it. And before we dive back into the details of all of that, uh, Steve, would you tell us maybe some of your own or one of your own Family Room memories, whether it's when you were a child or with your two boys and your wife or, you know, something that just kind of delights you when you think about your family and kind of hanging out.
3: Yeah. Well, I, I am so close to my two boys and my wife, obviously. So I have so many memories that are ongoing uh, that I could talk about. Um, I wish I could talk more about ones that where the Lord is, um, actively they were actively present. And um, I'm thinking of one I want to tell you, but let me segue to this. This is real, not, you know, this is the reality. Wow. I have two wonderful sons. It, they might still identify as being Catholic, but they've certainly fallen away from the faith. Not like I did when I was their age. You know, they're in their early 30s now. So Evelyn and I pray for them every day um, to find, have the Lord find them and bring them back. Um, so I don't know if that surprises you or not. You're talking to the missionary of Wall Street. This shouldn't be not the case, but that is the reality. I think for a lot of us today, this, the culture just is so powerful. But I think of ways I, we try to engage them, you know, and as an example, uh, every Easter – Time where obviously we have the mission in New York Street, the Holy Week mission, we get them to the mission, if you will. Um, they won't actually participate, <laughs> but they do like the the idea of Easter. Sun, you know, obviously Christmas, the hol- so Easter sun, Easter meal with the parents in New York. So they come to the vigil mass, which is the longest mass of the. <laughs> thing but you know it's part of the deal they they come to the mass and then we go to late dinner in new york city and for Evelyn and i it's a great joy to us to have them there at those moments and um so maybe i would call that my family room mm-hmm. memory memory it, it's a kind of broken family room kind of a story like a broken vessel you know it's not like we're all sitting around praying a rosary together i wish i could give you one like that but i don't have that
1: frankly, I prefer this one because I think a lot of our listeners, I know myself, I can identify with that. I've got a 20-year-old in college who's like, I don't agree with a lot of things of the faith and I'm struggling with this and that. And I think, I mean, number one, that's life. Number two, the more we're involved, the more people may be surprised when our kids aren't. But I think that's just a reality of they have to find their own faith in their own time. And to be fair, as you're pulling in other souls, the devil's gonna try to pull them out the back door and say, You don't need to go do this. But I believe your faithfulness and your prayerfulness with Evelyn, they'll be back in the faith. They'll they'll I mean there's there's no doubt in my mind they will. But it's a struggle you gotta go through. And I I love how you're saying you kinda deal with it. It's not the in your face, you better go do this or else. It's here's a carrot, we're gonna have this great dinner. Why don't you come and join us? And I think it's a great opportunity. It is authentic,
2: and it is a scenario that virtually every one of us can identify with. So thank you for sharing it. So we were talking right before the break, Steve, about it's—so it's awesome that, you know, that you're out there. You The, the, the missionary hears, hey, Steve, stay on the street corner, and, and a life-changing event occurs. But there's, like, literally an army of missionaries out there right now. How do you get those folks? What's the attraction? I mean, that seems it's impossible to get you to do that and w- with the cigars going on in your forehead. <laughs> That's a very powerful visual, by the way. But but now you're going to get a whole bunch of other people say, yeah, let me have a cigar, um, and then not yeah. to smoke. And
3: the advantage of writing the book was that, first of all, within the Redmond Christian movement, that that is an evangelical movement in the faith. Right. So to begin with, the Regnum Christi folks in the Tri-State hel- have always helped from the beginning with the mission. Okay. And their kids, you know, in the youth programs, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the seminary up in Cheshire. Right, hmm The brothers always come down, and they're they're like atomic weapons. They're so joyful. And then we've got the Sisters of Life, um and and uh so we've got like some bases there right and then the book brought the story to a lot more people and random phone calls happen you know like, or people call in to to my secretary me or whatever they write in they'd like to come on a mission and and we've had all sorts of people some pretty well known on this mission uh and they've been inspired and uh you know, we've learned early on we learned this, that everyone's got different talents for sure. Mm -hmm. Just utilize them in the right way. So we have a whole net, a human net that we create in Soho. And now we're also doing a mission in St. Patrick's Cathedral, by the way, which is a whole nother gig. Um, You know, in Soho, I, I said to the Monsignor up there when we first got asked to do this, up at the cathedral. I go, this is a completely different idea here. Down in Soho, no one's going into that church unless a missionary drags them by the ear and convinces them to go into the church. Here everyone's in the church, but no one's in the church, if you know what I mean. I mean, no one's a little bit of a strong term, but a lot of people aren't really present spiritually. So the opportunity isn't out on 5th Avenue in the case of the cathedral. It's within the church. So our human net is set up inside the cathedral. Whereas in Soho the human net is set in in a circumference about 6 blocks around the around Old St. Patrick's Cathedral. We have our young people that are joyful, maybe not all that convincing to a you know, devout atheists, if you will, in New York or whatever, but can, like, ping them. And even when they get ignored, the Holy Spirit is working on them. And then two blocks later, the way the network is set up, they'll run into one of my Wall Street buddies, um, you know, that are pretty good at talking people into stuff, right? (laughs) Um, In a kind of really loving way. Mhm. And and then we've got the quiet souls in the back of the church that really help take people that last mile and get comfortable with what they're about to experience. You know, so we use everyone's talents I think effectively um to create this human net. And it's similar like that but different in the cathedral without going into too many details. We don't we don't have 4 hours to do this podcast, but um, yeah, that's the idea. Um, so, yeah, we've had over a 1,000 missionaries over, I think, the bio said 10 years, but now I think closing in on 15 years since 2008. And, you know, continually new ones. Um, we're doing one in Advent this year. Uh, I have to be in London on business at that time, so uh, which is unusual. For, usually I try to make sure I'm not, but I have to be so – we're going to have one of the other missionaries run it. Uh, she's very much ready now to do that. And like any typical missionary, Angela, when she first appeared on the scene three or four years ago, um, refused to take any station other than the church itself. She said, no way. Uh, it's dangerous out there. <laughs> I can't do this. But I'll okay. say, so Angela, you, you work in the church with Evelyn, you know. And then she kind of creeped out of the church, and I got her in front of the church, and she says, Okay, why don't you stay with me for a while? And um, what she learned is that the Lord, again, empowers us. She's a dynamo now, dynamo missionary, and um, young, faithful uh, Catholic woman in New York. You know, we're getting more young people engaged in this, which is really good, um, because they. They're the ones that are going to bring back, you know, folks like my two sons, as an example, right? Not some old guy with gray hair.
1: (laughs) It's interesting, too. Um, And I know you said you don't have four hours to go into it, but uh, I'm a little curious because we have plenty of Catholics in the pews that aren't really engaged in their faith. Can you give a five minute how you attract those people and maybe what that dialogue looks like? Because if I'm them, I'm saying, I'm here. What are you, why are you bothering me? How do you engage them and get them reinvigorated?
3: You know, I'll, I'll just tell them a story. And um, sometimes it's a story of failure. Sometimes it's a story of strength. You know, one story I like to tell, it's in, it's in the mission, missionary. Uh, it's called A Street Lamp in Soho. And it's late at night. And the missionary is on a street corner. It's cold, it's dark, under a street lamp. And his companion, because we always have two, had to leave. But, of course, the missionary you're getting to know here, you know, refuses to leave the corner. So he's there. And it's early on, it's like three years into the mission. And a group of young people come by going to a fancy restaurant. When there's big crowds like that, a lot of times I'll say, "Hey, when you Catholic, Catholics here, any Catholic? And the response is, no, we are not Catholic. And I go, oh, come on, <laughs> you're French. I go, All French people are Catholic. <laughs> I always find when a person engages with me in a group, there's something going on in their heads, okay? So the others are literally, there's this circle of light And the others are pulling him out of the circle of light towards this restaurant, you could say. But you could also say into the dark.
1: Right. Yeah.
3: The missionary knows he's running out of time. And he says, well, what are you then? And the young man says back, maybe this is a lost in translation moment, but he says, we are nothing. And or I am nothing, he says. As he says that, the missionary like starts to tear up and they're they're in eye contact, and he starts to tear up a little bit, and he realizes what he said. Then his friends pull him into the dark, and I did not have the courage at that time to chase him into the dark. So I always think about that young man, he's out there. And I tell other stories where the missionaries did have that, and not always me, okay, could be a different missionary, but what I try to tell people is, it's kind of how I answered a very early interview with um, a pretty well-known author, uh, who you guys would know, and he says to me, Steve, you know, you're a financial guy, I've been doing the math here, you know, based on some numbers in your book. You know, you're saying, you know, you talk to 3 million people, you and your missionaries, you know, 1,000 missionaries. You identified a quarter of a million Catholics that were willing to at least admit they were Catholic. And then of those, you got fifteen, twenty thousand 20,000 back to the sacrament of confession. So if you do the math, for any one person you introduce yourself to, there is a... Is, 0.05% probability that you're going to get that person into church. Doesn't that seem like really bad odds? I mean, like that's like what we would call a low margin business. <laughs> and I said, You know, Bill, it is a low margin business, but I make it up on volume. And he says, How do you do that? I said, Well, let's forget about the fifteen to twenty thousand. Who knows? They had a life-changing experience, but no one knows how their journey ends. Would you be willing to say that a thousand of them might have made it or will make it to heaven that might not have? Or maybe a hundred? Or how's this? Will you give me one? And he says, I can give you one for sure. I say, well, there it is then. I've made it up on volume because – One soul for eternity is infinity. And, you know, I've got the volume on my side here. And when I tell people that and I tell them, look, each of us, I've seen so many missionaries now bring back someone that I couldn't bring in. I told the story delivered by Grace, right? It was really Mm -hmm. Grace that brought the guy in, not me. She connected with him in a special way. I tell them, look, out there on the streets tonight, think about it this way. Maybe there's just one soul for you to meet tonight. You just got to persevere, but you uniquely can bring that soul back. The Lord needs you out there. One soul. So that's, that's kind of, you know, how I try to get people to come. I must say, once they've come they're hooked. There is something so special about working with the Lord. And all of us basically think we're not equipped for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, we don't think we're holy enough. And it sounds so intimidating. But the thing is, when they see what the Lord does through them in some miraculous way, you know, it's like uh, spiritual dope or something. I mean, (laughs) it's just... yeah.
2: It's, it's contagious. If you're just joining us, you're in the family room. We're talking to Steve Oth, the author of The Missionary on Wall Street and Spiritual Dope. <laughs> so that's a classic. We're going to keep that one. Steve, I know, and I'm probably projecting my own deficiencies into this comment, but we have so many great listeners who I'm guessing right now are thinking, that's great. That's Steve Oth. I'm not in New York. I don't have all these things behind me that's just not for me but what you just said makes me believe it really is in some fashion for every one of us what do you say to the people who aren't ready to charge up to Wall Street to be part of the uh, you know part of that mission
3: okay well now you're forcing me to cough up some of my secrets <laughs> a, a good um, interviewer would do that but it's with you know it's with good intent so what I will say to people is, look, I get it. How about you join the prayer team? We need a prayer team. It's really important. And we always have a prayer team in the church. We're getting people into the church. They don't know you're a missionary necessarily. They see a bunch of people praying there that kind of Get And it gets the Lord engaged, you know. Right. It's very helpful. Right. You can pray for sure. Why don't you come and do that? Or you can be part of the crew in the back of the church. A lot of people will find that helpful, or you know what you can help organize the the headquarters, and this is another job usually a guys' initial job could be why don't you organize all the rosaries, untangle them, have them ready for the missionaries, so we can you know not waste time so um I try to get people involved by giving them jobs that are like small steps mm-hmm. towards being a missionary, but inevitably. The Lord works on them then, and they get a little more courage to step a little further out of the cave. You know, one of the things that I think they see on the streets, which very is very surprising to people, is opposite of what they're thinking, that a lot of folks on the streets appear to be happy and uninterested, but often they're actually in despair in some ways. The culture hasn't delivered what it promised, Right. When a missionary approaches them with joy and love in their heart, you know, we're not on a soapbox. Sometimes you see these guys in New York in the subway, you know, repent, the world is ending, this kind of... We're we're just out trying to engage people with love and joy. And what I think is so remarkable to the new missionaries when they show up, they see these conversations going on. And it sounds crazy. But somehow or other, in the anonymity of a street-side encounter between two individuals, people are willing to almost spill their guts to you if you ask the right questions. And they're almost thankful that they're getting a chance to do that. And the other missionaries see that, and they want to be part of it. You know, so I know it sounds like a crazy idea, but it really—I thought it was a crazy idea. But I know it isn't now, because— I've seen too many little miracles. Yeah. Yeah. I tell the young people, they say, oh, Mr. Roth, what will I do? What will I say? And Okay, to be fair, we, we have developed a training program that Evelyn does ahead of the mission, every mission. And she'll run it at night and during the day. She'll, she'll run it twice because the missionaries just feel more equipped. If they're given some basic techniques, pick up lines, what to say to this objection, what to say to that. Um, but my training program, which she finds a little bit less than satisfactory, that's why she has – she <laughs> runs it. But my, my basic is like, look, guys, Mr. Roth, what should I say? I, I said, look, forget it. You're not going to argue anyone into confession here in New York City. Love, don't think. Love, don't think. That's what conquered the Roman Empire, agape, love, and joy, which is confidence in the future, not happiness in the present, right? Right, So love and joy sounds trite, but when we have that in our hearts, then um, we have the heart of a missionary, and it draws people like flies to a Venus flytrap. But I'm
2: going all the way back to uh, one of our interviews. It was a cloistered nun, and you would expect all somber and you know, prayerful and profound. And which and she was all those things, but just she exuded such joy. joy. Yeah. I was like, I'm maybe that cloister thing's not so bad, right? Let's check that out. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I we're tracking with what you say. Nobody encounters Jesus and comes away unchanged. At,
1: you know, at some point. So yeah,
3: and it's I, amazing. And, what he does for us
1: well it's your openness right i mean when you when you let god work instead of us trying to work with our own and to going back to what we said earlier right with your intelligence and your business ability you could write a business plan for this but god said just love and you open yourself up to that and i mean you know you've given us a couple of examples but they're profound examples of what god's been able to do through you and the missionaries is there anything else just curiously is there anything else in your mind that's critical to the success of the missionary work?
3: Well, I mean, you know, you have God, that's about all you really need. Um and uh L- willing missionaries.
0: Go, figure. keep it are <laughs> ready <laughs> to go.
3: It's not that complicated, you know. <laughs>
2: Please let it be more complicated because yeah, I, I can have an excuse not <laughs> to, to do, do it. it then. Exactly.
3: So I tell people, like, you know, like they're all worried about the end of the world, whatever. I'm like, you know, God doesn't actually lose, He's God. That's... It's like, get a grip on yourself. <laughs> We're just going to do our part. Um, we're only agents of the kingdom. We're not the kings. We don't know how it ends, and you know, it may not be in our lifetimes. But he—he uh, he doesn't lose. Amen. That's not possible.
1: The victory is won. Now, and John, you talk about always bringing in practical. Yeah, Steve is all about practicality. I love right? it. I love it.
2: Um, Steve, we're we're getting ready or close to wrapping up here. Would you would you mind um, just closing us in prayer?
3: Amen, us on the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for the blessing of this discussion today uh, and reminding us that, you know, whatever we do, um, you find a way to bring it back to you. And even when we resist or we're busy, we don't have time for this, all we've got to do is say yes, and there you are. Thank you for being there for us, for, being, for your Holy Spirit that gives us all life and love and joy. And we pray um, that we'll have the open hearts to receive you and not say no once in a while and say yes when you knock on the door. Amen. 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 In the
1: name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Steve, thanks again for being here. Uh, do us a favor for our listeners in our show notes. How can they get in touch with you and the missionaries to either come to the mission or get the book?
3: Both books are available at Sophia Institute Press. Um, they're also available obviously at amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, etc. So, so they're out there. In terms of getting involved with the mission, the best Thing you can do is sign up on the tri-state. Well, you can either go to the missionarywallstreet.com website, or uh, you can go directly to the tri-state RC website, which um, you know, which has got a sign-up sheet for the next mission. Which, well, I don't know if the sign-up sheet's posted yet, but the next mission will be Reconciliation Monday in Advent right. at St. Patrick's okay. Cathedral.
1: Okay, we'll ensure that gets in our show notes. Thank you very much. Folks, thanks for being with us uh, in The Family Room. Uh,
2: Thanks for joining us uh, every week. Come back next week to The Family Room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.